0: Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Now, Leon Tailoring is also well known, we all know, for their tailor made clothes, but you also know they're ready for their custom made and ready made clothing as well. That's right, clothes that are right there on the rack that you can buy and pick up, and they'll make the alterations included in the price. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. And of course, then you know, if they want something tailor made specifically just for you, then they can do it. Whether it's tailor made, whether it's ready made, or whether it's custom made, it is for you and you specifically. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you and happy to take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, it's been a while since we chatted with our good friend, Matt Griller, the head of the uh, Accelerate Indiana Municipalities, formerly known as Cities and Towns. So, Matt, my friend, always good to chat with you. How you been? Great. How about you, Abdul? Uh, doing better. So it's, it's, been an interesting three, it's been an interesting year so far. Uh, so let's start by asking, uh, how are Indiana Cities and Towns and Municipalities doing these days?
1: Uh, really well, uh, excited. We've got a municipal election year this year, obviously coming up in the fall. I think we're going to see a number of, uh, new folks coming into office. Uh, a lot of diversity this time I've noticed, uh, around the state, uh, a lot of people of color, a lot of people, uh, well, a lot of women running, which is a great thing to see. So I'm really excited about what the future holds there, you know, on the financial side, I think it's in a perfect spot. Uh, for the most part uh, we're moving along well of course we'll be paying attention to the property tax discussion as that unfolds over the next couple of years it's going to be a balancing act i think between what mayors and clerk treasurers and council members want to see for their residents and making sure they're not overpaying. But at the same time, as you know, that's the, the vital source of revenue for cities and towns and how we carry out our services. So that'll be a balancing act. But overall, we're in a really, really good position.
0: Uh, let's start with the property taxes. Obviously, bills are uh, hitting the doorsteps as we have this conversation. Uh, because of the assessments uh, last year and a lot of the supply chain issues, a, prop- a lot of property taxes have gone through the roof. What are mayors doing to sort of help citizens alleviate those property tax burdens, and particularly those high assessments, even though we realize that there's not a whole lot they can do per se.
1: Well, I think, you know, we're we're pretty constrained as is. I mean, between the property tax caps and the restrictions on how much a property tax levy can grow year over year, it's never going to get out of hand from a spending perspective at the local level. I think you know, what we're seeing today is, is both good and bad. We all want to see property values increase, but at the same time, we don't want to pay more in taxes. So it's a, a tricky balancing act. But I think the legislature has to remember that they passed property tax caps 10, 12 years ago, and those are doing their job. Right. So, yeah, we are seeing an increase in assessments, but at the same time, it's not so far out of control uh, that it's causing major problems around the state. Now, if this continues year over year where we see huge jumps in assessed values then maybe we do need to take a look at some other things. But right now, I think we're fine. Uh, the The system is working. Uh, cities and towns are not overspending or spending too much. It's not a windfall of cash per se. Uh, so I think we just have to be really careful and balance the balance between the two, two pulling forces of homeowners paying too much and making sure we can still deliver quality services.
0: Uh, I know there was some discussion about, uh, in addition to the regular property tax caps, but it'll sort of maybe putting a cap on, assessments that your assessments can only grow like say five or maybe no more than 10 10% and you're hearing that conversation out
1: there yeah it gets a little bit in the weeds so each year a municipality's budget can grow by an average that's calculated from the state and that average has fluctuated over my time here anywhere between you know as low as one and a half or two percent growth to as much as five percent growth which is where we're at now the legislature did uh, pass a temporary major that would limit that growth to essentially cap it at four percent a year without getting into all the mechanics and details so that is there that is something the legislature did and it will be a reduction in revenue to local governments around the state uh, but something that we felt like we could live with this particular session and and we'll readdress it in a couple of years when that sets to expire
0: yeah, because i remember uh some folks saying that the the the, the municipalities and local governments would get more money just maybe not as much with the cap on Assessments. Yeah,
1: I think we heard a lot about that argument <laughs> <laughs> during the course of the legislature. Um, and I think that's maybe true for some communities that they're going to see an increase, but just not as much. But as you know, Abdul, it's a very different state from north to south, and every community is going to have a little different situation. So I think we have to be careful to make blanket statements like that, that it would be true for everybody.
0: We're talking to Matt Greller, the head of Accelerate Indian Municipalities, formerly known as the and Towns. We're just getting caught up on some of the things that have happened over the past uh, couple of months and some change. Um, I also know uh, that there's going to be a debate, uh, Somerset Committee, on road funding. Yeah. Uh, lane miles versus road miles versus travel miles. Indianapolis has said, hey, you know, Meridian, it's got four lanes, but we only get paid for two. That money's got to come from somewhere. Then you've got the rural county. It's like, hey, our situation's just fine. What are you hearing on roads and road funding? <laughs> Well it, it puts us in, to keep a straight face when you
1: <laughs> answer I mean it puts us in a in a tough spot, right? The the system is what it is. It, it does uh calculate road miles and not lane miles. So that is a, a disadvantage to larger communities, growing communities. At the same time, resources in smaller communities are often less, so we have to balance that. I think the community crossings uh, grant program that's been in place for the last five or six years has done a good job of really helping rural communities so we probably do have to look at balancing some of the larger community issues out when it comes to road funding uh, but it's a, a tricky issue for us obviously we've got communities in Indiana that are as small as just a couple hundred people as all the way up to Indianapolis so We'll be very involved in those discussions and the task force that's going to meet this interim uh, to see where we land. But obviously, something will, will probably change and something will need to be
0: done. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on what the road funding formula should look like or just basically a way to see what lawmakers come back with?
1: Well, I don't think anybody has. an. if anybody had an answer already we'd already be we'd be done with the discussion uh so it's going to be a, a conversation that we'll be involved in so no i don't think we have an answer yet i don't think anybody has an answer yet uh but there'll be, probably be some combination of tweaking the community crossings program and tweaking the current road funding formula uh, while keeping everybody's interest in hand
0: uh, speaking of roads roads also go to economic development uh How are we doing with economic development here in Indiana and also how we doing with our workforce development? Because you know workforce and economic development, they go hand in hand together.
1: I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, I think, you know, the IEDC, the governor's team has come out with some fantastic uh, new programs. You know, when you talk about Ready, for instance, the the statewide grant program that's really focused on placemaking and quality of place type projects that bring people into the state, bring that workforce into the state. Uh, that a new 500, another 500 million dollars just got approved in the state budget. So that's going to be a huge assistance to local government. We've got lots of uh, economic development projects happening around the state, you know, of course, it's been all over the media. The the Leap District up near Lebanon Boone County uh, looks to be a, a real win for the state. But we have many other projects going on all over the communi- all over the state, and communities. Uh, like I was just down in Mitchell, Indiana, a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of the world's largest concrete plants is being built in Mitchell, Indiana, uh, which is a really unique uh, situation. Something that doesn't get as much media attention as as things around other parts of the state. So we're we're doing well. We just need to keep heading in that same direction.
0: Uh, How will that work for us? Because as higher paying jobs come to Indiana, they require a lot more skills and a lot more technical expertise than say, you know, 20, 30, you know, 50, 50 years ago.
1: I think we're moving in the right direction. I think the pandemic really, I hate to say the pandemic helped anything, but it it did help in, in terms of mid-sized communities around the state, being able to develop a place where people want to live and attract those folks to be there, because obviously you can work anywhere in the world now, and why not be here in Indiana? You've got less tax pressure on you here in Indiana. You have less natural disaster pressure on you here in Indiana. So I think there's going to be a real movement from various corners of the country into the middle part of the, the United States, and I think that stands to benefit Indiana. And the more folks we can get here, it's all about Talent acquisition, uh, finding the people to, to fill those jobs and, and do a great job. So I think we're moving in that direction, and uh, I'm th- really excited about the future.
0: Anywhere you're concerned that uh, some of the, the the cultural issue discussions we have here in Indiana, you know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, can sort of maybe dissuade you know some of the talent, some of the people we need to come here, you know, and uh, make Indiana a much better place.
1: Sometimes, yes, but I think it's up to city and town leaders, county leaders, state leaders to change that narrative, right? And I, I mentioned it earlier. We're seeing a, a much different uh, crop of folks running for elected office in the city and town area this time around, which is a great sign from my perspective. And I think it's just something we have to continue to work on and, and remove that stigma if it does exist.
0: Um, quality of life type issues. I remember uh, you guys wrote a column for Indy Politics saying it's not your father's economic development. Uh, anymore, that it's, it's no longer, you know, it used to be you, you know you built the plant and you know, built the roads. Now it's you no, know, it's parks, it's trails. Uh, how are we doing with those quality of life type issues?
1: It it's still where it's all where it's all at. Um, you hear the governor talk about it. You hear Brad Chambers at the IED talk about it nonstop. Uh, you know, it's it's not a build it and they will come scenario, but it's close. You've got to have those amenities. I'm seeing it every hour with my son. He just graduated from college. He's trying to decide where he's going to live. The company he's working for has told him he can live anywhere in the continental United States as long as he's within two hours of an airport. Uh, and watching him go through that process of deciding where and what type of place he should live in is really intriguing and interesting. And I think Indiana has opportunities that that few others have and ones that we'll continue to capitalize on. Um, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. It's, it's not old old school economic development anymore, as we've talked many times, Abdul. Uh, it's all about building those
0: quality places. Matt Associate Accelerator Indian Municipalities, with us for a few more minutes. Um, I know uh, with, the, with the Ready Grants and a lot of those things, uh, it's, it's encouraging communities and municipalities to work together, whereas before, you'd have Carmel competing with Fishers, you have Fishers competing with Greenwood, Greenwood competing with Greenfield, and, and vice versa. How has that sort of changed the uh, sort of the sort of the philosophy of economic development, and just sort of you know people working together and sort of breaking down some of those silos.
1: Well, I think every city and town leader wants the project to happen in their community. That's never going to go away. But with Ready and some of the predecessor programs to Ready, like regional cities and things of that nature, you do have these districts or regions defined now in a, a more meaningful way. You've seen some communities switch from one region up to another because it makes more sense, either logistically or because of the businesses in that particular area. So it's it's increased communication. It's increased uh, ability to work together. It's, it's just been a fantastic case study in how things should work. I'm asked all the time by my peers around the country, wait, you really have a program through your state you know, where they're providing hundreds of millions of dollars over a couple of years for quality of place type projects that are then leveraged with, with private dollars uh, to an extent that we haven't seen in Indiana in, in its history. So can't say enough good things about Ready and programs like it uh, that have really redefined how cities and towns work together.
0: Um, we got a couple minutes left here. What are some of the, the the big challenges, though, still facing Indiana's municipalities?
1: Oh, I think the biggest challenges for us will continue to be. Current biggest challenge right now is housing. Uh, you know, we are probably. I hate to put a percentage on it but under housed i guess is the the best way to discuss it and and the some of the things that the legislature did this session were really impactful and will be really impactful in trying to incentivize housing in, in areas that are not seeing the growth but have a great need for it so i always think about Like down around Jasper, Indiana, people don't realize in that quadrant of the state, it's a real economic hub. There are Fortune 500 companies there, and they attract a huge number of folks working from outside of the city of Jasper into the city every day. But the smaller communities in that area need housing for those that workforce, and it's hard to get a developer to come down and do a, a 10, 15, 20, 25 house addition into those particular communities. So with some of the programs that have passed now, like the housing TIF and the, the new grant program that will be set up through the Indiana Finance Authority, I think those kinds of things are really going to work to make that situation different. So that's a, a big challenge right now. And again i know we talked about it for quite a while at the beginning abdul but the the whole tax structure and how local governments funded is always going to be a challenge um, when you're so heavily dependent on one stream of revenue like the property tax and the the burden that that can cause on homeowners you're always going to have that push and pull uh, type of relationship with that revenue source so that'll be a an ongoing challenge and hopefully we can address some of those pieces over the summer and heading into the next legislative session
0: how are cities dealing with gentrification issues?
1: Um, you know, I don't know that you see that outside of central Indiana as much. And I think it's something that we have to pay particular attention to, especially in the core city like here in Indianapolis, where you want you don't want to push anyone outside of where they've lived for the, their entire lives, maybe generations. We have to be really careful there. So it's great to have new uh, shiny homes and things like that, but redevelopment of areas and keeping people in place is probably just as important.
0: So what's on the uh, guys agenda for the rest of the year? Well, um,
1: primarily between now and November, we're going to be gearing up for a thousands of newly elected uh, municipal officials around the state. Of course, we'll be preparing uh, for the 2024 legislative session. Uh, those two things will take up a, a tremendous amount of time. The the number of new elected officials in municipal government this year, or I guess taking office in 2024, will be historic, uh, one that we will have a lot of work to do to get everybody up to speed.
0: So welcome to Mayor school.
1: <laughs> welcome to Mayor school. Welcome to council member's school. Welcome to fiscal Officer school. Uh, you name it, we're going to try to address every, every nook and cranny of local government.
0: Matt Grellup, Associate Accelerating municipalities. Matt, my friend. Always good to talk to you. Always good to be back. So thanks for talking with us. We appreciate it.
1: Glad you're doing better, Abdul. Thanks for having us.
0: This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.